Blog Talk Radio. All right, let's take us a songbook. Let's turn to 67. Number 67 at Calvary. Let's stand together and let's sing this morning. Years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified. Knowing not it was for me, he died on Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. By God's word at last my sin I learned. Then I trembled at the law I'd spurned Till my guilty soul imploring turned to Calvary Mercy there was great and grace was free Pardon there was multiplied to me There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary now I give to Jesus everything. Now I gladly own him as my king. Now my raptured soul can only sing of Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty. At Calvary, oh, the love that drew salvation's plan, oh, the grace that brought it down to man, oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary, mercy there was great and grace was free, pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. Amen. Isn't God good? He is. Amen. It's a blessing to be in God's house this morning. It truly is. It's a blessing to be here and be with y'all. Amen. Know where we're headed. Amen. And and know that we're safe and secure and ain't nothing to take away what we got. Amen. What a blessing we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we get to eat when we get done. Amen. Get to fellowship. Have a good time. Amen. I'm looking forward to it. We've got plenty of good stuff back here to eat. And uh, we just need to get our mind off of it and focus on the message. And then we'll get through it and we'll get back there. And I promise, sister, I'm, I'm going to do my best today to get you back as quick as I can. But uh, anyway, let's, let's, let's uh, prayer request this morning. I know we've got some probably. Miss Charlotte? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. Others? Your sister? How is your sister? Praise God. praying for her. We'll keep lifting her up before the Lord. Um, Tammy was telling me before services that Haley is pregnant again. And so we need to pray for her. Yep. So we've got a bumper crop of babies going. I'm telling you. We just need to keep on keeping on. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, y'all pray for my brother, uh, my brother and my nephew. 
um, he's he's unfortunately fixing to go through a divorce and doesn't want to, but he's going it's going to happen whether he wants to or not. Just pray for them. He's got to start completely over with everything. Forty eight years old, so please lift him up in prayer. Um, anything else? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Praise God for that. All right. Anybody? Yes, Mom. Yeah, pray for Jackson to get where he can do the chores I'm having to do right at the moment. <laughs> I thought about him yesterday when I was out feeding animals and stuff. Uh, anybody else? Anything else? All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask God to meet with us. Let's ask God to give us a good day in his house. Robert, lead us in prayer. Amen. You can be seated. All right, number 136, 136, more about Jesus would I know, amen? More about Jesus would I know, more of his grace to others show, more of his saving fullness see, more of his love who died for me, more, more about Jesus. More, more about Jesus, more of his saving fullness see, more of his love who died for me. More about Jesus, let me learn, more of his holy will discern, Spirit of God, my teacher be, showing the things of Christ to me. More, more about Jesus, more, more about Jesus, more of his saving fullness see, more of his love who died for me. More about Jesus on his throne, riches in glory all his own, more of his kingdom sure increase. More of his coming, Prince of Peace. More, more about Jesus. More, more about Jesus. More of his saving fullness see. More of his love who died for me. Amen. 313. More about Jesus. You know, that's, that's what we've been learning as we've been going through getting to know Jesus. And you know what? I feel closer to him having gone through that sermon series than I ever have in my Christian life. I understand more. Even I mean, I've been preaching for a long time, but just going through it step by step, incrementally, I, I see more of him than I've ever seen before in the Scriptures. Number 313, what a friend we have in Jesus. No, I'm, I'm good. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what need. 
needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrow share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield thee. Thou wilt find a solace there. Amen. Let's turn back to 302. 302. <clears throat> Jesus loves even me. Sometimes I wonder how he could, but he does. And I'm sure thankful for it. Amen. So thankful. I am so glad that our Father in heaven tells of his love in the book he has given. Wonderful things. I see this is the dearest that Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me, Jesus loves even me. Though I forget him and wander away, still he doth love me wherever I stray. Back to his dear loving arms would I flee when I remember that Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves even me. Oh, if there's only one song I can sing, when in his beauty I see the great King, this shall my song in eternity be. Oh, what a wonder that Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves even me. Praise God. You know, I try to pick a song that kind of goes along with what I'm preaching on. And I tell you what, I don't know if there's enough Sundays to cover all the songs about Calvary. That's certainly where we're getting to. But this one came to mind today. One morning at day. As the crowd slowly gathered, they were walking my Lord up Calvary's hill. So sad was his face that the birds hushed their singing. Like a sheep he was humble to his own father's Just to kiss all the nail 
his hands. On the cross he was hung. Shame and forsaken as he drove the cruel nails in his hands and his feet. As death closed his eyes, his cry went to heaven. Oh, Father, forgive them. My spirit receives. I want to thank Jesus for the plan of salvation. Just to say, Lord, I love you, for you understand. I want to be there on that great judgment morning. Just to kiss all the nail prints in his feet and his hands. In the tomb he was laid, but death could not hold him. He was God's only son in this world of sin. On the cross he fulfilled the plan of salvation. Don't reject when he calls for he's coming again. I want to thank Jesus for the plan of salvation. Just to say, Lord, I love you for you understand. I want to be Great judgment morning. Just to kiss all the nail prints in his feet and his hands. Amen. Amen. That's a good old song. That ain't that ain't a commonly known song either anymore. Don't ever, I ain't heard anybody sing that one in a long, long time. I heard that on a cassette tape, a preacher and his wife singing it on the radio back in the 60s, and I learned it. I don't know anybody else ever sung it. But uh, anyway, take your Bible this morning. We're going to turn to Mark, Mark chapter 15. And we're going to kind of use it as a diving board, springboard. There's so many things to say. There's so many things to cover. Mark 15, and we'll be in verse 17 there where we'll start. We'll read 17 through 23. Like I said, when it, comes to, when it comes to Calvary, when it comes to the crucifixion of Jesus, when it comes to this, to this time and place in history in our Bible, there, there's a lot of different things to cover. There's so many different things to cover. And, and to be honest with you, the Scripture... It's the, on the crucifixion of Jesus is not a very big passage of Scripture, but there's so much there. And the more you the more you begin to to look and, and and mine those scriptures, the more you begin to find. But I couldn't let this opportunity pass up this morning on this one little piece. <clears throat> so let's look there. Mark chapter fifteen, verse seventeen through twenty three. As you know, last week where were we at? We were with, we were at the scourging of Jesus. And it was horrific, just in our mind, with our mind viewing in our mind's eye, what they did to our Lord. But it was for us. It was because of us. It was, it was our sin that was that He was punished for. It was our sin. He took those lashes for our sin, every one of them. And uh, the Bible says here in verse seventeen, it says, "And they clothed him with purple, and plaited a crown of thorns, and put it about his head." And began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him on the head with a reed. And again, I want you to note that that ain't that ain't just a like a like I said last week. You know, they put a reed in his hand. They said that was like a cattail. Well, this what they're talking about is like a stick or a cane. So when they put that crown of thorns, they beat it into his head. And so it was It was stuck into the skin and, of course, bleeding from it and everything else. <clears throat> but it said, 
that they that they did that they platted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, began to salute him, shouting, "Crank king of the Jews!" Smote him on the head with a reed and did spit upon him, and bowing their knees, worshipped him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe from him and put on put his own clothes on him, and led him out to crucify him. And they compel one Simon, a Cyrenian, who passed by, coming out of the country the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. And they bring him unto the place Golgotha, which is being interpreted the place of a skull. And they gave him to drink wine mingled with myrrh, but he received it not. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, we come before you. And Lord, the best that we know how, we we ask you now for for Holy Ghost power. We ask for your touch to be upon us. Lord God, I ask you to fill me and control me with your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray anything in my life, any sin that's unconfessed, Lord, that I've overlooked. Father, I pray, Lord, that you please would forgive me and have mercy on me. Cleanse me. Make me a vessel fit for thy honor. Fill me with your Spirit. Lord, I pray you'd empower me. I pray, Lord, you'd control my thoughts, my words, everything. Lord, may I be a vessel completely and still in your hand. Lord, just use me for your glory. That's my desire, Father. I pray, Lord, that, that, Lord, as the preaching goes forth, that, Lord, you'll work in the lives of your people, Lord, these in the building with me today, Lord, and those who are listening whatever way they found us. Father God, we pray for them today. Lord, I pray you have your will and your way done in each one of their lives. Lord, we know the devil would destroy them if he could. They need your strength. They need your power. They need the reminder that you are all that matters. And, Lord, that we're to keep our eyes focused on you in the midst of all that we're going through. Lord God, I just pray that you'll help us to see some things today. Teach us today from your word. And, Lord, we'll be glad to give you the praise, honor, and glory because, Lord, we know we're not smart enough to figure all this out. Lord, it's you. It's revealed to us by your spirit and by your word. Lord God, we pray now. Help us. Speak to us. Put your arms around us. Teach us today. We love you so much. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his precious blood. And we give you glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. Just a couple things that I want to look at here before we get into the message. Really, really verses 17 through 20, we know all that. We covered that last week. But I really just want to focus on verse 21. And they compel one Simon of Cyrenian. And let me just, before I say all this, I, I sat and watched a number of videos of people who were, they were um, doing that, the walk, the Via Della Rosa, the, the, uh, the walk that Jesus made from, from Pilate's Hall to Calvary. And, uh, you know, one thing, one thing about that. You know, people can do that and say, well, he fell here, he did this, he did that. But the truth of it is, Jerusalem is completely different than it was. And the Catholics say that. They have the Stations of the Cross and all that. There's not a lot of Baptists who've done such videos like that. Most of them are Episcopalian, Lutheran, Catholics, whatnot. But they say, oh, well, he fell here as he was carried across. He fell there. Uh, some woman named Veronica wiped his face. No, I don't. That's not in the Bible. But... What we do know is that he did take a specific route. That route is different. It's changed. The city's been rebuilt. I mean, it, uh, that, you know, the, the Romans came in in AD 70, and they completely just sacked Jerusalem, and everything was wiped out, and the temple was destroyed, and not one stone left upon another. And so it, the, the landscape has changed, but one thing's for sure. He did walk a route to Calvary, and on that route to Calvary, Carrying, and he didn't carry the whole cross. He didn't carry the, the 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 vertical beam. He carried the horizontal beam that his hands were to be nailed to. And as he carried that cross, the weight of that beam, I, I feel very sure he was struggling mightily under the weight of that beam. If you consider the beating that he just took, and how his body was ripped to shreds, and his skin was hanging in ribbons, and blood was flowing out of every orifice and every every cut and 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 he's and he's struggling on his way up that hill. And I want you to understand something. They they did the Roman soldiers did compel Simon, a Cyrenian, to pick up and carry that cross. 
And the word compel doesn't mean they gave him a choice. They said, no, you pick it up and you carry it. And it wasn't because the Roman soldiers felt sorry for Jesus struggling after having been scourged. I don't believe that at all. I believe it was the fact that they loved to torture people and they did not want him to die on the way up that hill carrying that cross beam. And so they wanted him much alive on that cross so he could suffer the most he could possibly suffer. But Simon, he so here comes Simon, and I, and I noticed some things about Simon. It says he just passed by. He wouldn't he wouldn't come in to see Jesus. That was not his intention. He he didn't come to Jerusalem saying I'm coming to see Jesus. No, I believe with all my heart he was coming for the Passover. He evidently was a Jewish convert coming for the Passover, and the Bible said he came out of the country. So he came out He came out of the countryside walking into town, and this is the first thing he ran into was the procession of Jesus being led up the hill to Calvary. You know, I happen to think about that. You know, when, when, you, when, you, when you get saved, most of us wasn't looking for Jesus when we got saved. We weren't looking for him. I mean, we might, we might have been interested. We might have thought, well, you know, I might need to get saved sometime. But when he showed up and the Holy Ghost of God convicted our heart, you know what? We weren't looking for that. He found us. Somebody said, I found Jesus. No, you didn't. He found you. Amen? And he compelled him. He said, he said they, they compelled him. They said, you're going to carry that cross. Well, you know what? There's a lot of people when they get saved, they didn't realize they were going to carry a cross neither. Amen? But God told them, hey, pick up the cross and carry it. I mean, a lot of people think when I get saved, you know, hey, my life will be easy. It'll be better roses. All my troubles will be over. No, you just met the devil head on now. You were running with him. Now you're turned around and you're headbutting him. So it's going to be a tough walk no matter what you do. You know, and I think about the path. It wasn't an easy path. It was uphill all the way. And I think to myself, as Simon carried that cross beam, Simon learned a lot that day, carrying that cross beam, walking alongside Jesus, watching him, looking at his riddled, uh, riddled body, riddled with, with scars and lashes and, and gashes. Simon watched him as he walked up that hill. I believe it changed Simon forever. I can't say nothing. There ain't, there's no account of Simon's salvation anywhere here in the Bible. But I tell you what there is. There is the mention of two sons. Alexander and Rufus. And if you look in the Word of God in Acts chapter 19.33, which I'm going to turn over to real quick. Acts 9.33, and I can't verify all this for 100% sure, but I can tell you that there are a lot of scholars who, I'm sorry, 19.33, there are a lot of scholars who tend to believe that this is the Alexander that was mentioned back here in Mark. Alexander, I'm sorry, Acts 19.33 uh, is talking about when they were in Ephesus. Paul was in Ephesus, and you remember that, that he had his, his run-in with Demetrius, the idol maker the, that made the, the trinkets and whatnot, and, uh, and how, they, how they went into the amphitheater and all of the pagans rushed in shouting, Great is dying of the Ephesians and all that. This is when that's all taking place. And uh, I'll, just give you, I'll just give you right down here verse 30. He said, And when Paul would have entered in unto the people, and disciples, the disciples suffered him not, they said, No, 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 Paul. And certain of the chief, chief of Asia, which were his friends, sent unto him, desiring that he would not adventure himself into the theater. Some therefore cried one thing, and some another for the assembly was confused, and the more part knew not wherefore they were come together. People, that is rioting for rioting's sake. And the Bible says in verse 33, and they drew Alexander out of the multitude, the Jews putting him forward, and Alexander beckoned with his hand and would have made his defense to the people and on and on. But, but there's a lot of scholars that say that's, that's the same Alexander, the son of this Simon the Cyrene. And then he had another son named Rufus. In Romans 16:33, we run across him again. I can't prove it, but there's a lot of there's a lot of folks smarter than me that knows a lot more than I do that says this very well could have been the same man. All right, down chapter th uh, chapter 16, verse 
verse uh, 13 of Romans, he, Paul said, writes, Salute Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. Now, so I know I'm speculating a little bit, but I can't help but think but when Simon was carrying that cross member up that hill and looking at Jesus, and I don't know if Jesus said anything to him. I don't know if he said anything to Jesus. But I can't help but think when he got to the top and he laid that cross member down. You know, so he didn't have to go to that cross. Jesus did. He didn't have he didn't have to put the nail they didn't have to put the nails through his hand. Jesus never told us that we had to be that we had to be nailed to a cross. But you know what he did tell us? He told us to pick up our cross and carry it. Amen. Where's that at? Over in Mark chapter. Mark chapter 9. Well, I know what it says. It's up. He said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Amen? So what is, that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about taking up our cross. Jesus took up, took up his for us. And, you know, by the way, I, I, I looked, like I said, I watched those videos, and I saw those people going through the streets of Jerusalem in a procession, going through all these different things, and they're carrying this little flimsy wooden cross that somebody made for a for a souvenir trinket. I, I look at that and I think to myself, I wouldn't want to go over there and go through that. I, I know a lot of preachers say, "Oh, you need to go to Israel, you need to go to Israel," but it's all just tourism. It's not. That's not the same Jerusalem Jesus was in. And you know what? I, I'm going to go back to Jerusalem someday, and I'm going to see it all. But you know where I'm going to see it all? I'm going to see it with the Lord when He shows me. Amen. I'm not going to go over there now and try to figure it all out. I got the Word of God for that. But uh, but anyway, Galatians two twenty. Paul said this. He said, "I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me." and gave himself for me. <clears throat> that that verse is, has been such an important verse to me throughout my Christian life. Of course, I know I, I think you probably all understand the verse, but I'm going to break it down just for the sake of those who are listening in that may not understand it. Paul's saying here, I'm crucified with Christ. He's not saying literally they nailed me to a cross, but he's saying when Christ died, that should have been me dying on that cross. He died for me, so therefore I am going to die for him. Amen? The old Paul, and you know as well as I do, that on the Damascus Road, when Jesus spoke to him and Jesus told him, I am the one you're persecuting, and he called Jesus Lord. Paul got saved that day. He couldn't see. You know, he went to the street, called straight. Ananias came, prayed for him. He received his sight and all those things. But when, when that happened on that day, the old Saul, I mean, God, God, Christ changed his name to Paul. Why? Because he's a new person. He wanted him to know, you're not the same as you were before. You got, you're saved now. You're mine. You're in my service, and I'm giving you a new name. Amen? Someday he'll give us all a new name. <clears throat> but he's saying, Paul's saying, okay. So the old me died out there on that day, out there on that Damascus Road. I'm crucified with Christ. Now, I'm still here. I'm still living. I'm still alive. But it's not me anymore like it used to be. Purpose and life changed. His whole life changed. Everything Paul was doing, I mean, Paul, every direction Paul was headed in life took an abrupt turn and went God's way, not Paul's way. Paul's way would have made him one of the most educated, one of the most respected, one of the most powerful men in all of Israel. He was in line to be, who knows, maybe the, maybe the chief priest. I don't know what he was in line to be. He was in line to be on the Sanhedrin court no, no matter uh, no matter whether he was chief priest or not, I don't know the lineage there of Paul. I don't even think he could have been chief priest. But, but anyway, what do I know? But I do know this. He was powerful. But when Christ stepped in, all that changed. And, you know, I've said it just the other day. He said, you know, I do consider those things, but dung. All that life. I mean, it was all important. I mean, he talks about it. He was, he was influential. He was powerful. He, he had the right birth. He had all those things, but... He didn't have the new birth. And once he got the new birth, everything changed. 
He said, nevertheless, I live, and yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. So, again, when he talks about I die daily, he talks about, you know, uh, uh, keeping my body, beating my body into submission. He's, that's what he's saying. I don't want to wake up and Paul live today. I want to wake up every day and Christ live in me. That's why he says, the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I, I want to give you. I want to give you four things this morning, and then we'll be done. I mentioned this message once before. I think I gave you a couple of the points in another sermon I was preaching. But I want to talk to you this morning about a crucified man. What 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 aspects of a crucified man we need to take from this? Number one, let me just say you to say to you this: as Paul said, I'm a, I'm crucified with Christ. A crucified man looks in only one direction. He's nailed to a cross and he can't look behind him. He only has one direction to look. He looks forward. Amen? A crucified man only looks in one direction. Now, I'm not talking about Jesus. I'm talking about the believer this morning. We know Christ went and died for our sins. We'll get to all that, but today I want us to focus on what it means for us to be crucified. A crucified man looks in only one direction. He looks to Jesus. And what the Bible tells us, we're to be looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the shame. I mean, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the people. crucified man looks to Jesus. He looks to Jesus for strength. This world, listen... <clears throat> This world will wear you down. It'll beat you down. It'll throw everything it has at you. It'll try its best to take you out. Amen. The devil is working with the forces of this world to try to push us into a corner where we have to turn ourselves over. It's like, okay, I'll surrender to you, almighty government, almighty powerful man. No, but we're not to do that. We're to keep looking to Christ even though everything closed in on us. Hey, listen, there are Christians in China today. Who are who are who are worshiping the Lord uh, under the penalty of death if they get caught? There are, there are Christians in Iran. There are Christians in Iraq. There are Christians in Russia. There are Christians all over this world in some very very anti-God places who are risking their entire life and everything and their family, the children's lives, everything just to do what you and I do freely and enjoy. No matter what situation you find yourself in, we are not to look to man for our strength. We're not to look to government for our strength or our help. Hebrews 12, 2, it says, looking unto Jesus. Like I said, looking unto Jesus. We are not to look anywhere else but to the Lord. You know, I, I, I see that in the, in the verse there. It says, who for the joy that was set before him. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot of times where... When you're living the Christian life, and you're and you're you're trying not to do the things that God said don't do, and you're trying to do the things that God said to do, and you see other people who claim to be Christians, and they ain't worried about that for nothing, and they just doing whatever they want, and having a big time, and they don't understand why we're trying to live so narrowly. And so it can get discouraging when you're looking at them, and so you know it looks like they're blessed and they're prospering. You say, how are they so? How are they so prosperous? And I'm, I'm struggling trying to live for God. Well, believe you me. You get out of God's will, the devil will entertain you all you want. He'll keep you happy and sassy as long as you don't serve God. He don't mind. He don't mind spreading his wealth around a little bit if it'll keep you out of, out of God's will. Crucified man looks in only one direction. He looks to God for his strength. He don't look nowhere else. He certainly don't look within. There's a lot of people today, they're they looking within for their strength. It ain't in here. Not in me. Not in my flesh. The only strength I have is in the Lord. And when I know his promises say to me, and I know that he has followed through with everything he's ever promised me, he's never let me down once, ever. And I can keep my eyes on him all the way home. I don't have to, I don't have to flail around trying to walk. I just keep my eyes on him, and it gives me a confidence that this world cannot afford. A crucified man looks in only one direction for strength, and he only looks in one direction for help. 
In Micah 7, 7, the Bible says, Therefore I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. You know, it'd be nice if we could just pray a prayer like pressing a button and get instant gratification. God, I need this. Boom, there it is. Amen. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Just tell God what you want, and bang, he lays it in your lap just like that, like pushing an automatic button, just boom, there. That's not the way God works. God works on his calendar. He works on his clock. He don't work on ours. It's when he gets ready. But you know what? Even though he doesn't work on my schedule, I know that his schedule's right. My schedule ain't never right. I thank God God hasn't let me run my life. Amen. I'm glad because I'm not good at running my life. Amen. I'm not good. I'm not good at all at it. Amen. I've made a mess of it. Every time I've tried to do anything, I've just messed things up. But God knows when I need what I need. He knows he knows the perfect time to hand me the things that I need. He is my help and I'll wait for him. Amen. I'm not going to panic. I don't care how bad this world starts looking. I don't care what kind of laws, draconian laws they try to pass on. On top of me, listen. God is my source for everything, Amen. And 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 it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what this world says. God is my source, and I'll follow Him. I don't care if the world tells me to deny Him. I don't care if the world tells me. And you know, by the way, the other day, and I think it was in Congress. I think it was Jerry Nadler who made the statement. He said something like, uh, "God has no voice in this chamber, or He has no power in this legislative chamber, or something to that effect." That's dangerous words. I'm not looking to that government because they denying God. Oh, no. I'm looking to the Lord, and he's going to triumph over all governments. Amen. I look to him for help. Crucified man looks only one direction for mercy. For mercy. I've had some people be merciful to me in my life, but you know why they were merciful? Because they knew the Lord, the God of mercy. Amen. People ain't going to be merciful to you. Amen, unless they know the Lord. Not really. I mean, they might for a little while, but eventually they, their mercy is going to wear out. But God's mercy endureth forever. We looked at that Wednesday night. There are people that are help. But again, like I said, eventually their help will run out. Jude one twenty one tells us to keep yourselves in the love of God. You know how you do that? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we'll stay confess to him if we'll stay close to his side amen he will he will he will we'll be right smack dab in the middle of the love of god amen the bible says looking for the mercy of our lord jesus christ unto eternal life again that mercy never runs out a crucified man looks in only one direction for hope i have only one hope it's not in this world i I, every day i look in the mirror and i keep thinking i'm gonna look younger but i don't Amen? That's why I cut this hair off. I got tired of trying to look like something I wasn't, so I just cut it off. I I, I don't care. I'm going to get old. That's just a fact of life. So I I, I quit worrying about all that. I don't have hope in this world, is what I'm trying to say to you. I don't have hope in this world that I'm going to have so much money that I'll never have another worry. I don't have hope in this world that I'll never get sick. I don't have hope in this world that other people are going to stay faithful and loyal to me. But I do have faith, and I do have hope that my Savior is coming back for me. Amen. The Bible tells me in Titus 2.13, looking for that blessed hope, the glorious appearing of a, our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. I have a hope that's steadfast and sure that he promised me that he was coming back for me and he is coming back for me. And my hope is in heaven. It ain't in this old world. Amen. A crucified man has crucified himself to all that stuff that he's put behind him. The Bible said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. There's no need to look back. Behold, all things are become new. The second thing I want to say about a crucified man, he holds on to nothing. He holds on to nothing. He's nailed to it. He ain't got anything in his hands. Luke fourteen twenty six says this, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and his wife and his children and his brethren and his sisters, Yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Those words, if not read and understood properly, we might throw you in a circle, chasing your tail. 
But the truth of it is, is Christ is simply saying there ought to be nothing in this world, not a single thing that you would say, well, if i got to leave that behind, Jesus, I can't follow you. Whether it be your mama, your daddy, your kids, your, your neighbors, your friends, your money, whatever it may be, listen, a crucified man will not let his family get in the way of following Jesus and serving Jesus. It's a painful thing to have family members turn on you because of your faith in the Lord, but it has happened and it will happen and continue to happen. Jesus said, I came not to send peace but a sword. I've come to set a, a, a man against his a father and a, a daughter against her mother and, and on and on and on. Why? Because they, if, they are not, if they're not willing to, 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 uh, to follow the Lord, if they're not willing to believe on the Lord, if they, and some of them, they believe on him, but they won't follow him. And, and, and um, here's a family member trying to follow him. They're going to criticize that family member to death. Be quiet, because their walk makes the one who doesn't have a walk uncomfortable. You take, you, take, you take a child in a home, and that child is in the Bible constantly. That child loves the Lord with everything in them, and mom and daddy don't have much, much desire for church house. They're cynical. They've been, maybe, they've been, maybe they got saved a long time ago. They've been backslid for years. And that child began to talk about the goodness of God. It'll irritate. It irritates. I remember hearing about a preacher talk, he, whose daddy was an alcoholic. His daddy was constantly, constantly in the, either passed out in the, on a sidewalk or, or losing everything he had on account of his drinking. And when he surrendered to preach, he went down and found his daddy down at a bar in Dallas. Got him out on the sidewalk and he said, "Daddy, I want to tell you something." He said, "I." I'm going to be a preacher. His daddy hauled off and hit him right in the nose. He said, I ain't no son of mine going to be no sorry, no count preacher. You know what? He just kept on going. Amen. Listen, that ain't the first. They've been a many of them down the road. Listen, Charles Wesley, y'all know his name. John and Charles Wesley, the Methodist brothers. Charles Wesley, his wife, he had a wife who told him he was sorry he was no good, no count. He had no business doing that preaching. He needed to give up that preaching and, and, and just quit it because he wasn't no count. He, he was no good, and he needed to leave all that stuff alone. And he just kept right on going. He just kept right on going. I made up my mind a long time ago. I'm going to keep going. I don't care what happens. And you know what? There's been a lot of things happened since I said that. And I've had some temptations to give up along the way, but I, I can't. And here's why I can't. Because I made a promise to my Lord that I'm going to keep going because he kept going for me. And he never quit on me. And when I, when I had run as far as I could run, God still said, turn around, son, turn around. I don't quit. His mercy endureth forever. And therefore, ain't no sense of me hanging on to something in this world that's going to keep me from walking with the Lord. He won't let money get in his way. He won't let pride get in his way. Amen. A crucified man don't hold on to nothing. A crucified man says, pride ain't going to do nothing but hold me back. A crucified man says, I'm not going to let the love of money, money, nothing wrong with money, but the love of money will destroy a person. I know too many preachers who've let it destroy them. Chasing after money, chasing after dollar signs. No, a crucified man holds on nothing. He won't let nothing get in his way. Number three, sister, I'm working on it, but I don't know if we're going to make it. <laughs> a crucified man has no plans of his own. He ain't got no plans of his own. First Peter 4, 1 and 2. The Bible says, For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. Let's just stop right there. Did we did we see him suffering in the flesh for us? Did we see that last week? Did we see that the pain that he endured? Did we see as the lash hit his back and tore his skin loose and, and as those lead weights pounded into his muscle and into his bones? Did we see the, the amount of suffering our Lord endured just before, even before Calvary? For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh. 
That's to be the that's that's kind of like that's kind of like when they do the when they do the the pole vault and they see how high the bar is set. That's how high the bar is set. Christ is the bar. We see how much He suffered for us in the flesh. The Bible says we're to arm ourselves with the same mind. In other words, we're to look at that bar and say, "I know I can't jump over that bar, but I'm going to go as high as I can." That's what that's talking about. Listen, he said, for he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. What does that mean to suffer? That means, that means the one who says no to his flesh. No, I'm not what I used to be. I'm not like I used to be. I can't do the things I used to do. I can't go the places I used to. I can't act the way I used to. I can't let my temper get away with me like I used to. I can't let my mouth run away from me like I used to. I can't cop an attitude with people like I used to. I'm a Christian. I represent the Lord. People know I'm a believer. That he should no longer, no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. So the rest of your days, from this point forward, you can't do nothing about yesterday, but from this point forward, God says we are to live our lives armed with the mind that we're going to try to reach that bar. And that's what we're to do from here on out. Not, not worry about what man wants out of us, but be concerned with what God wants out of us. The Bible says when a, when a man's ways, in Proverbs, when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Quit worrying about what everybody else wants out of you, and you please God, and quit worrying about the rest of them. They'll be happy with you if you please the Lord. And if they don't, too bad. <clears throat> Greatest day of my life is when I realized I didn't have to please nobody but God. Amen? I quit worrying about all the other stuff. I just focus on the Lord and, and everything else takes care of itself. But the simple fact of it is, like I said, a crucified man doesn't have any plans of his own. That doesn't mean he can't go about his life and take care of the necessary duties and things of that nature. But when it comes down to where am I headed, what am I, what's my focus, what am I trying to accomplish? For the rest of this life, everything should be secondary to my first purpose, and that is to serve God and give him glory and honor him and, and to, to be a vessel that carries the message of salvation throughout this world to everybody that I come in contact with that I'm able to witness to. That, 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 and, I'm, and, again, it doesn't have to always be a long gospel presentation. Sometimes it can be a track. Sometimes it can just be, uh, you know, uh, an encouraging word about about the Lord to them. Whatever the time affords you and opportunity affords you, but at least let God use you. He'll direct you. He knows how. He knows exactly where they're at. He knows where you are. Amen? And he wants them saved more than you want them saved. God uses us, but we're going to have to be willing to, to let him direct our plans. And the fourth thing, and I'm almost done. i got five minutes left. A crucified man isn't coming back. Now, I can't say that about Jesus. Well, I know he's coming back. But a crucified man isn't coming back. That day, that, that day when he was walking up that hill, there was two men alongside him, beside Simon the Cyrene. Cyrenian. There was, there was two thieves, too. And they knew they weren't coming back. Oh, there was one. There was one. He, his whole plans got changed once he got on the cross. Hallelujah. But when we crucify ourselves with Christ, there ought not be no going back. There ought not be, you know, you know that old song? It says, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. There ain't no turning around spot. This road's straight and narrow. There's no U-turn lane. We're not, we're not, no matter how bad it gets, no matter how tough it gets, no matter what comes down on you, no matter what the future looks like in front of you, always know that God can make a way where there is no way. He can do the impossible. He can make the impossible possible. God is able to do all things. And when he has a child of his who is willing to walk as a crucified man or a crucified woman 
focused on Christ as their goal, walking through this world, looking to be a blessing any way that they can be. Let me tell you something. God will open some impossible doors for you. His will will be done. And he can use anybody. God, when he gets ready to do something great, he rarely looks for a perfect instrument. As you can see all through the Bible, he chose all kind of crooked sticks to draw straight lines with. And I ain't nothing but a crooked stick. But in his hand, I can do anything in the world. Crucified man. Again, Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, I don't, I don't fear death. I really don't. You see, because I died... I died on a cold night in February in 1996. I was saved, but I was still living for me. I was still doing everything to suit Brandon. And that night, God showed me, you got to be crucified. And that night, I crucified my flesh, and I gave my, my life to live and serve him as however he saw fit. Didn't matter. Wherever he wanted me to go, whatever he wanted me to do, I was willing to do it. And God, ever since that day, has directed my life. I ain't done it all. I ain't always done it perfectly. I'm not going to say for one second that I'm, I've got it all figured out. No. It's a journey. It's a, it's, 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 it's a learning journey, every step. But I can tell you this. I've had him by the hand ever since. And I'm not letting go. He's not letting go of me. So I I urge you this morning to examine where you're at in your walk. Where are you with Christ? Have you sat down? Are you trying to rest? He wants you to get up and go. There ain't no resting spot along the way. There's a resting spot at the end. Have you got your eye off the path? Have you got your eye on some of the things off to the side? He says, look neither to the right hand nor to the left. Keep thy foot from evil. Keep your eye on him. No matter what the storm looks like, we've seen through Peter. He can keep he can keep you in the middle of the storm too, can he? Say, I'm going through the fire, preacher. It's okay. He can keep you in the fire. We learned that with the Hebrew children. Amen. Feel like I'm going to drown. He can part the waters. I'm able to do all things. Let's stand together. Our Father, we thank you. We thank you so much for being so good. And Lord, we had a thousand lifetimes. We could never praise you enough for all that you've done up to this point. Lord, we know you're going to hold us by the hand and carry us all the way home. Lord, what a thrill it'll be when we get on those golden streets and we're able to praise you without a hindrance of sin in our body. Lord, we'll have a body like yours. Father, I just thank you so much for salvation. I thank you that I'm your child. I thank you that you've given me precious promises. I thank you, Father, Lord, that your mercy is everlasting. You'll never stop having mercy for me. Lord, God, help me to appreciate that every day I live. Help me, Lord, to keep my eye upon Jesus. Lord, help me to to keep my feet on the path that you'd have me to walk. Lord, help me to be a crucified man for you. Lord, please help us all to be the Christians that you would have us to be. Father, we ask it now in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. 209, wherever he leads, I'll go. Take up thy cross and follow me. I heard my master say, I gave my life to ransom thee. Surrender your all today. 
Christ who loves me so. Wherever he leads, I'll go. It's like the fourth. My heart, my life, my all I bring to Christ who loves me so. He is my master, Lord and King. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Wherever he leads, I'll go. I'll follow my Christ who loves me so. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Amen. May the Lord add his blessing, and may he bless you.